Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all sorts of information regarding positive psychology, wellness, rejuvenating, my own spin on things that I call goal-achieving psychology, and it's also the place where you can recommend other guests for this podcast. Been real happy with the reception that the podcast uh, has received over the year and a half or so that we've been doing it. And one of the reasons for it is because we get some really great guests who both lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different spins on the ways that we can be more effective in becoming happier, healthier, and better versions of ourselves. And today we've got a really, really unique guest. I do have to tell you, I have not had a clown as the featured guest on our podcast yet, so I'm really looking forward to it. Today's guest is Bullseye the Clown. Bullseye is a clown who has been performing for over 30 years, not always as a clown. He's been a stand-up comedian, and he even had a stint teaching drama classes for prison inmates. Quite a varied background. (laughs) He calls himself a humanitarian clown, and he has done humanitarian clown tour of Russia with the renowned clown doctor, Patch Adams, who many of us saw in the movie. Bullseye visits children's hospitals, orphanages, hospices, and many other places that need laughter. And these days, there's probably an endless supply of places that need to that need his services. Bullseye the Clown is also a happiness coach and an anti-bullying activist, teaching all how to lead their happiest lives, stand up against bullies, and reclaim their own authority. As a comedian, he has performed at numerous places, including the Las Vegas Comedy Festival, the Boston Comedy Festival, in New York at the Comedy Club, the Funny Bone, at the Cleveland Improv Comedy Zone, uh, just to name a few. So really, really, really looking forward to this conversation. Bullseye, it's great to have you here. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Boy, it seems like I've been busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really does. It's very impressive. <laughs> Just so I understand, um, what you, you define yourself as a humanitarian clown, and in doing some research, I found that that's actually a category. It's not, <laughs> it, not the only one. What, what makes a clown a humanitarian clown? <laughs> uh, well, I'm a little different as a I don't go out to like children's birthday parties and do children's birthday parties. My whole point is uh, to go where people really need me. Like uh, when I went to Russia, we went to, like you mentioned, the orphanages and children's hospitals. And 
And I don't just clown for children because I think that adults need clowning in their lives just as much as uh, children do. Um, and so I actually do a lot of clowning at senior citizen homes. I'm also nursing homes, assisted livings, things like that. Just because my whole point is uh, going to places where people feel like they're forgotten or invisible. And so that's kind of the way I look at it is I try to seek those people out, even if it's clowning on the street for the homeless people. Um, those people also need laughter because most people walk by them and don't even realize that they're there. And so that's my that's my mission is to find people who need laughter and give it to them. <laughs> what a wonderful combination of having that mission and having the the talent to be able to bring that kind of uh, laughter to the, the great number of people who need it. Before I get into that much, uh, however, I was kind of wondering, I mean, there are a lot of careers that if somebody tells me this is what they do, if they're teacher, lawyer, social worker, iron worker, whatever, I, I have a pretty good idea of how they got to where they are. I How does somebody become a clown? <laughs> but believe it or not, it's something I, I just felt, kind of fell into. I never really, if you had told me probably 10 years ago that I was going to become a clown, I would have laughed and said, no, no, I would never be a clown. <laughs> but as you mentioned, I have done stand-up comedy. So right out of college, I was a theater major in college. And after I got out of college, I decided to become a stand-up comedian. And so I did that for like 10 years. And I just wasn't, uh, ironically, I wasn't finding any joy in doing stand-up comedy to um, a bunch of drunk people. <laughs> so I thought there was just something missing. And so I stopped doing that and I just kind of got regular jobs, you know, like factory jobs and, you know, um, different things. And then my father passed away. Uh, that would be in 2000, the beginning of 2018. And I had read about Patch Adams and saw the movie and I had been on his website and I knew he traveled um, doing these clown tours. And so my dad never traveled anywhere and never did anything. And so he left me a little bit of money. And so I thought, you know, what better way to honor him than to do something that he never got to do. So I signed up to go to Russia with Patch Adams <laughs> as a clown. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I had, you know, I bought a red nose and I bought some clothes and hopped on an airplane, flew clear to Russia and met up with 35 other clowns. And um, that's kind of how it started. And I really never expected to do anything with it once I finished it. I thought, okay, that's just something I'm going to go do that. I'll come home. I'll go back to the factory and do that job and that kind of thing. <laughs> and then when I was there, I saw what kind of an impact being funny and um, how we could bridge that gap between the people who are unhappy. Because he took us to like the really most unhappiest places when we were in Russia. We didn't... <laughs> We, we didn't go to, you know, um, all these little kids places, but we went to these orphanages that were like way up in the mountains and wherever. Um, and so I just saw what an impact we made in just a short time, not only on them, but what kind of an impact it made on me, because um, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, but I was bullied as a kid. And um, it was amazing how when I started putting the positive energy out there, making sure that everybody else was happy, in turn, it also uh, made me happier as well. Oh, that's... That's interesting. I, I kind of assumed that you'd been a clown for many, many years before you went to Russia, but it sounds like uh, that was... No, the, that was so the, the, this was quite the immersive experience. If you ever want to become a clown, go to like Russia like that or go to a, go to one of my Patch Adams trips. And I mean, it's like a 24... We were a clown 24 hours a day. He didn't want us to take the costume off no matter where we went. So um, we were kind of immersed and it was you learn as you go and 
you know, hey, if they're laughing, you're doing good. If they're not laughing, well, figure it out. <laughs> so that pretty much was it. I, I must ask, although I could get this backfiring on me, but what's Patch Adams like as a person? <laughs> oh, well, he, he's uh, quite the, uh, oh, I, I call him a liberty gibbet. He's always going around different places and doing different things. And uh, he, he's kind of like this little chicken that I have here. He's kind of like a chicken with his head chopped off and he's just kind of going about. Uh, he's very opinionated, <laughs> which, I, which I'm sure if you read anything about them, that you might know that. But uh, but no, he was great. I mean, his whole point was, you know, we were to be colorful and fun. And if basically we were colorful and fun and the kids were having a good time or the or the, we did go to hospices too. So uh, as long as the people were having fun and we were uh, becoming a joy, then, then it was the same success and so and then we even had what we he called a therapy session all the clowns would get together at the end of the first week and we would have this big therapy session on you know what's going well what's not going you know because face it you know i was one of those people who i could walk through a crowd that nobody would even know i was there and so i went from be kind of being in obscurity to all of a sudden every single person saw me because I had clown clothes on and I had a clown nose and I was with 35 other clowns and we were traveling in a bus and you know so that's like a 360 turn and all of a sudden everybody sees you everywhere you go and you have no moment of peace <laughs> so so it was quite it was quite uh, a, an experience and so at the end of that first week we all just had to kind of sit down and decompress and go oh my goodness you know this is like an hour that we don't have to like be out in public and do all that stuff. So it was quite, it was quite the, uh, but no, he's a, he's a great guy. I always got a positive attitude, you know, uh, always optimistic, uh, which I like. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, here's some, he just actually sent out a video the other day. Um, he had uh, MRSA in his leg and he had to get uh, his leg amputated. Hmm. And so he did this video and he was so funny in this video. He's like, oh, I can't wait to get back out and clown now because whenever I go up to the kids, I can pull my leg off. And like, <laughs> I mean, he was, just, you know, it, it didn't seem to get him down. So he just, he, he looks at it as everything that happens to him, he looks as an opportunity for something else or an opportunity to clown and to provide understanding to people. So, so that's kind of what I took away from it. Uh, like I said, I still want to go with him again. So hopefully we'll go to Peru. Uh, that's, I would like to go to Peru with them. But I'm not sure if that'll happen this year, but if not, I'll, I'll go next year. So that's a real positive attitude that I'm <laughs> the whole thing. I was wondering if you could give us uh, just one vignette or, or example. I, I was watching one of your YouTube videos where you talked about a girl who was uh, kind of not all that positive about the whole process. And there was a thing about blowing bubbles. You don't have to tell, tell that one. because I mean, it is a great story, but if, if you have one, just to let the audience know something about the impact on somebody of any age that uh, this particular stands out. Well, I'll tell you one of the, the probably the biggest one that for me when we were in Russia. So we were traveling on a bus and we were, there are 35 of us and we were traveling from uh, Moscow to like this little place called Sergi Posad. And we had stopped at a bus stop because uh, there was a, a stoplight there. And there was a, uh, an older woman standing out there and she was holding uh, a bag of groceries. 
And although there were like 10 other people at the bus station, you could tell that she was just kind of like in her own little world and, you know, doing her own little thing. And so I just started picking on the window and I started waving at her. And then she looked up and she was like, oh my gosh, there's a clown full of buses or, you know, a bus full of clowns up there. <laughs> and so I'm standing there waving at her and she kind of just shyly kind of started to wave at me. And then I started waving at her really, really, really fast. And she started waving a little faster. And then all of a sudden, all the clowns on the bus kind of saw what I was doing and they turned and they saw the woman down there. And so all the clowns started to wave at her. And then the bus, of course, started to pull away because the light had changed. And I kept looking back at the woman and she sat down on the little bench that was at the bus station. And then she started to cry. Now, I don't know why she was crying. I, In my head, I was like, well, maybe it was the first time that day or that week or that month that she was actually seeing somebody saw her, you know, because she had just been standing there. So I just saw what an impact just waving at somebody and smiling at somebody. I just saw the impact that that had. And, and that was the biggest story for me. Uh, that happened the first week. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, that's, a, that's amazing. That just the power of being present. Well, given the kind of work that you do, is it, uh, as I hear these stories, is it draining? I mean, when you get home, do you, uh, are you like, some of the rest of us, you need to decompress. You don't want to watch comedies or <laughs> what? What's it like, just in terms of the impact on your overall being? Uh, you know, it is, it's a very exhausting. You know, at least it was in Russia when we were in Russia. Um, now I've I've kind of got a little handle on it. I can kind of I can still come home and watch a comedy or you know <laughs> drink my diet coke um <laughs> but uh, when we were in russia it was like you know we would probably go to a we would get up we would get dressed we would eat breakfast and then we would go and we would clown at a place for about an hour and a half to two hours and so we'd be going crazy for like two hours and then we'd get back on the bus and when we got on the bus we were always like oh our nose comes off and we're <laughs> you know we're like if we're just relaxing on the bus and then we would go eat lunch and then it's everything back on and we would get to the next place and it's go, 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 go for an hour and a half. Um, and so, yeah, but then, you know, what the problem, the problem became too, the bus became our little resting space because even when we were out eating, people would see clowns. And so they're all, you know, and of course you don't want to like be in a restaurant and be in a clown costume and not entertain in some way. So even if it's just, you know, like pulling your spaghetti up with your finger and, <laughs> you know, and eating it that way or being stupid, <laughs> but we know. So we were still on even when we were out in public doing other things. So the bus was kind of like our little time to relax. And uh, he had a rule. Uh, there was 35 clowns. So he had a rule that every time we got on the bus, we sat next to a different clown. Um, because these clowns came from all over. They were from the United States. They were from Russia. They were from Germany and Switzerland and uh, Italy. And so we never sat with the same person twice. Um, so that way we kind of got to know people. And, and sometimes, you know, it was just you sat there and you might have, have some kind of a conversation, but some of them didn't speak English and uh, I don't speak any other language. So we just kind of would smile and, <laughs> you know, enjoy, enjoy our trip. And also when we were in Russia, that became a problem too. I had never been to Russia before, so I didn't know Russian. Um, I only know English and a lot of the Russians didn't know English. And so it became 
all physical. So, so if you were asking, yes, it's, it was very physical and very draining because you had to be ecstatic and elated and all that just by facial expression and body motion and whatever props you brought with you, like chickens and tattoos and, you know, whatever else uh, that you brought with you. And then we went to another place that was, was, they called it the home for the deaf, dumb and blind. So they sent each of us into a room. Some of us had blind children. Some of us had deaf children. Um, some were both deaf and blind. So, it, you know, I learned quite a bit on that trip because, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, I think they sent me in. Uh, I had the deaf children. So they could still see everything that I was doing. So um, I was able to entertain them with all the stuff that I had. Um, and then anybody who had like an instrument, uh, they took them usually in with the blind children so that the blind children could hear the music and then they could play the instruments. And, you know, so uh, it, it was quite the learning experience. I didn't know if I answered your question. I got so long-winded on that answer. <laughs> That's great. I mean, giving you some real insight. I mean, we think in terms of, the clown is probably having the most unstructured type of existence. And then to kind of hear about, you know, <laughs> certain things like having to sit next to somebody from a, a different clown from a different country and so on. Really, really interesting. I do want to get into uh, what seems to be a bit of a specialty on your part, and that's the, the anti-bullying area, which, you know, is... I mean, we really know that that's obviously a much needed area. I hadn't heard of uh, a clown being in that area before, but it's, as I said, it's much needed. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into it and uh, what do you do? Uh, okay, so how I got into it basically was because I was bullied as a kid. So, And I learned early on, you know, how to navigate my bullies. And so... I'm actually working on a book at, as, as we're talking about this, I'm working on a book um, as Bullseye the Clown um, on bullying though. But what I noticed is these bullies made me into the class clown, you know? So at that time, you know, I thought, I found that if people were coming up to bully me and I would like throw some kind of a quick singer out or a quick joke, it would kind of confuse them and it kind of distracted them. And then I could either get away or <laughs> they didn't know if I was, you know, <laughs> if, if I was being silly or, or what? So they they be kind of could be fuddled for a little bit, then they'd be kind of looking at me. And by that point, I was away. And so I grew up not only getting bullied in school, but then I also grew up with an alcoholic stepfather. And he would get drunk and then he would get mean. And so again, I used to play like these little distraction games with him too. <laughs> One of the ones I used to call, I would try to, uh, I, I would go and I would lock my door and he'd be pounding on the door. He'd be drunk and he'd be wanting me to do something. I don't know, like mow the yard or something. And so I would open my window and then I would hide in the closet. And then when he came in the room, he would see that the window was open and they thought I jumped out the window. And so he would go all over the countryside trying to find me and he passed out in the field someplace. And that whole time I'm still back at home. Uh, so I learned very quickly, if you distract your bully, <laughs> you know, uh, you can get away or it makes it a little easier anyway. And so my and I never really wanted to talk about that. You know, I, as you mentioned, I did stand up for quite a few years and I never talked about any of that when I did stand up. And when I went on this clown trip, that's kind of really when I started to thinking, you know, okay, this is something that happened to me and this is something I probably should be talking about. There are a lot of adults who are still walking around with all of this hate and resentment and sadness, I guess, uh, from people who bullied them way back in, you know, kindergarten or, you know, you know, junior high school. And so originally my idea was to write a book for them, you know, hey, you know, 
when some people are bullied, they become very, very successful. You know, you have people like like, uh, Susan Boyle and Lady Gaga, people like that. But then on the other hand, you have people who get bullied and they never live up to that potential. They let people tell them that they're no good or, you know, that they're not going to amount to anything. And so they just take a job that's really beneath them where they should be. I probably should be a household name by now, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm not because, you know, I listen to all these people, you know, tell me, you know, and that was probably probably, partly why I probably could stand up back in the day as I probably thought, you know, oh, well, you know, every time I would get close to success, I would kind of pull myself back a little bit, you know, and thinking, oh, I don't want everybody knowing my business. And I would make up these excuses, but really it was because, you know, as I heard one time, somebody say, new level, new devil, you know? <laughs> so you become more famous and then there's more people who will bully you and that kind of thing. So um, that was originally why I started talking about it, though, was because I had a bunch of adult friends who had never really gotten over that. And then as it kind of, it's just kind of one of those things is, as I've done it, it's started to morph. And so I, I still go that I talked about bullying in nursing homes and I talk about it in grade schools. Um, depending, you know, might as well get it on both ends because there are people who, uh, and people who are seniors also get bullied, you know, when they go into nursing homes or assisted livings or things like that. So um, it's things that they also need to be. So is there kind of a key? I know you talked about distracting the bully. Is there, are, are there certain key behaviors that, that you do talk about when you go there? Or is it? Oh, I do. You know, you know, I yeah, I, I talk about, you know, also staying calm. You know, I, I think the biggest thing when we encounter a bully is the first thing we want to do is, you know, uh, we want to call the bully a name back. Um, that never usually ends very well. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, you need to stay calm and you need to not to, uh, go down to the bully's level. You need to make sure that you are um, still being a nice person, you know. Also, I always tell people to report and record. You know, so if you can report it, um, just because you report it, though, does not mean that it's going to stop. I mean, you can go tell a teacher, you can tell a principal. Um, that does not necessarily mean that the bullying will stop. At least somebody else knows that it's happening. But sometimes that'll tick the bully off even more and the bully will get meaner. So and I love uh, if you can right now we've got cell phones and we've got, you know, I don't know, we've got pens that have microphones in them and cameras and <laughs> all kinds of things. So I always tell the kid, if you could safely do this without uh, getting beat up, but somebody's bullying you, get it on videotape or get it recorded somehow. Um, there's usually somebody standing by with a cell phone videotaping stuff anyway. It's amazing how the age that we're in now, the see, we didn't have all this stuff back whenever I was getting bullied. So, but now we've got, you know, we've got video. We've got, we've got video, pretty much video cameras attached to our hip all day long with our cell phone. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how once uh, a video leaks out, <laughs> how that pretty much can tame a bully down once they see themselves on video and see what they're behaving like. And when their whole family has, you know, somebody's like, well, that's shaming the bully. Well, no, not really. You're not saying anything. You know, you're not being derogatory to the bully. You're just saying, this is what happened to me, you know? Um, so the, those are things that I suggest. And I even suggest that to seniors as well, you know, make sure Set up a little camera in your room if you feel like a staff member is being mean to you or something. And you got, it's a day and age where you have to have proof with everything, you know, and it's not just a phase. You know, you, people say, oh, it's just a phase. There's a phase he's going through. He'll he'll grow out of it. No, he just becomes an adult who bullies, you know. So um, it's something that you need to kind of shake them out of without uh, grabbing them by the collar. <laughs> um. That's uh, really good advice, and it should be an incentive for people who are uh, 
who are afraid of technology to learn how to how to do this stuff and how to <laughs> do camera because uh, there there are always some pluses and minuses with with technology. This can be obviously one of the pluses. Um, yeah, you know, and I even the other day I just actually I was just surfing the web. I saw a pair of eyeglasses that have a little camera in the top of them. So that while you while you have your glasses on, you can still be recording something. So I was like, that's that's amazing. You know, so yeah, there's so many ways to uh to capture all of this stuff. And of course, I don't want anybody to capture this stuff um, if it's going to be dangerous. But you know, try to get the footage if you can, but at least report it. And then my whole thing is you mentioned I mentioned earlier about distraction. Try to distract and get away. If you have friends, travel in a pack, you know, if you a group of you, a bully is less likely to kind of pounce on you if you're traveling in a group of friends. Uh, they kind of are waiting for that one time when that person is alone. That's when they kind of pounce. So yeah, so th- those are the kinds of things that I kind of talk about, you know, when I go to schools or even to, to nursing homes or corporations, because I'm saying, you know, I worked at a 50, uh, was it a Fortune 500 company for a while, um, hated it, um, but they have a, they had a horrible bullying culture. So uh, it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. It's a little discouraging, but <laughs> I'm wondering how, uh, have you got any ideas on uh, how you break the pattern? In other words, if somebody has been bullied, I know that there's at least a reasonable chance that they will continue that behavior because they that's what they know. If somebody wants to break that pattern as as you obviously have, uh, what advice do you have? Well, one of the things I do talk about a lot too is we go through a whole uh, role-playing kind of thing where our bodies, the way we walk, the way we talk, um, the way we present ourselves um, affects what happens to us, believe it or not. I mean, you, I can walk down the street, you know, all hunched over and depressed looking and uh, I'll get treated one way, but then if I you know, put this costume on and I walk down the street, I get a whole different reaction. And so that's kind of the thing. One of the things we talk about is how your body and how your posture and how, you know, how all of that stuff plays into it. So um, I, I go through and uh, we talk about that. We talk about uh, kind of like jotting down, like, you know, have, if the bully says this, you say this, that kind of thing, because it's all in what you say and all in what you say and how the bully perceives you. A bully is not going to pounce on you if uh, you have kind of a stronger stance. If you look like, um, <laughs> if you look like you're either uh, more important than them, or you look like you're bigger than them, or you look like you're, you, the bully is going to pounce on this the little kid who has got his eyes down and who's looking at the floor and who's, you know, doesn't feel like he's very strong. So um, it's all about really, it's, it's really a mental thing. It's really a mental perception on um, how we see ourselves. And you know, just like for me, you know, years ago, everybody. I didn't play sports. So all the sports people were, you know, they were stronger than I was and I didn't work out and I didn't, you know. And so those were the kind of, kind of things that um, plagued in my head. It was all oh, not as strong as they are. And then they kind of knew that. So then they would pounce. And so it's all on perception and body yeah. perception and mental perception, really. Yeah, mindset is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, you, you said you do go to things, to places like nursing homes mm-hmm. and assisted living and so on. Uh, assuming somebody uh, bullying isn't their issue, but I know with some of the people that I work with where there's a fear of declining health or faculties, or they just don't see it as as happy a time of life as as some of us do. And I I guess I'm wondering, as a, a clown, how do you come in and help change that attitude or mindset? 
Well, one of the things I always do is I, I do something nice for somebody else. When you do something nice for somebody else, um, it gives you less chance to be sad about your own circumstances. And that's what I, that's the main thing I learned when I went to Russia is, you know, I still was traveling with all this bullied stuff that from my past. And, but I love to like buy gifts for people just to see their reaction. And, you know, so if I'm really upset about something or I'm really sad about something, then I'll, I, actually I'll go do something nice for somebody else. Um, just because seeing their happiness and their joy um, perks me up. So hopefully you're not around a bunch of uh, other people who are all depressed. So. <laughs> um, but other things I do is I, you know, and, and what kind of, um, whenever I go into nursing homes and stuff, when they see me, it's a change of their routine so that they're, they're normally get up at this time and they go eat at this time and they go take their shower at this time. But all of a sudden, all of a, there's a clown and, oh, this is my, this is my bath time. Well, I'm not going to take my bath right now because there's a clown here. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> so sometimes just getting them out of their own routine. And, you know, I think a lot of depression too comes from this idea of feeling like you're invisible, that nobody sees you, especially that's what I noticed when we went to the hospice, when there was, some rooms that they told us not to go into. And I, you might've seen this in one of my videos, but um, there was a room that I was told not to go into because she was, this lady was mean and she was depressed and she um, would throw things at me and I didn't listen. (laughs) (laughs) So I got the room and I I went in anyway. And what I found out was, you know, uh, she didn't speak English and uh, I didn't speak Russian, but uh, I was uh, blowing bubbles, as you mentioned earlier. And, uh, they just kind of wafted her way and she motioned for me to come over and to sit down. And even though we couldn't communicate verbally, um, I had her blowing bubbles and we were blowing some bubbles and I tried to get her to blow really, really hard on one of the bubbles. And so she blew really, really hard and her teeth flew clear across the room. <laughs> <laughs> so I was over there like, don't be quiet. I'm not supposed to be in there. She was laughing really, really loud. And I finally found her teeth on the floor and I'm picking up the teeth at just about the same time that the nurse comes in the room. And here I am standing there holding this woman's teeth. <laughs> I probably look like the tooth thief, you know? <laughs> and so, um, but she, the woman, uh, the nurse had said she had never seen that woman laugh the entire time she's ever been there. And she's never had a visitor. So, you know, I think part of it is just uh, being seen and making sure that, you know, somebody's coming in there to see you and to to interact with you. And like I said, um, they actually, I actually got a call probably about them. Maybe it was like a month after I'd been to Russia. They had ended up moving this woman out of hospice and uh, into um, an assisted living because she actually improved. Uh, her health actually improved after our visit. Yeah, I would like to say it was all because of me, <laughs> but I don't know if that's the truth or not. Um, but, you know, she, she had a whole different attitude apparently right after that happened. You know, so sometimes it's just really, it, it is, it's being seen and it's, it's being present. And we're so not present in our society today. You know, we have this horrible thing like this called the cell phone <laughs> and uh, everybody has that attached to their hips and they're always looking at that. And, Nothing beats being present in the same room with somebody. And so um, that's my biggest thing is, yes, even, even if you are declining in your health and if you're declining in your eyesight, just knowing that somebody is there, you can hear somebody, you can see somebody, you can feel the presence of somebody else. And somebody's actually there with you, uh, having fun with you and interacting with you. To me, that, uh, that's, that's worth everything. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're kind of clinically proving what, there's really good science and research on on both of those points that when you do something nice for other people, a lot of times you're even a greater beneficiary mm-hmm. in, in terms of how you feel. But also the the when, when somebody feels 
that they're they're not part of society. They're not seen. They're not even even though they may be doing something to rebuff people. Many of them really, uh, you know, they're in pain and and they may need to be approached differently than some <laughs> others. But as you're proving, but that's uh, why people like you are around and do able to do <laughs> great work. Well, and not everybody likes clowns uh, or, you know, and uh, that's what I, I find that, too. Uh, and I think this was something we mentioned before we started was, you know, there was a little girl in one of the groups. And that was my thing is they, I would walk in and there'd be like, you know, 300 kids in the room. And I would look for the one kid that's like over by the side that's not participating. And that was my job was to make sure that they participated and that a, a clown saw them. And so I went over and I was trying to so sat down by this girl who was all by herself and. Um, she got up and she moved. <laughs> so then I would get up and I would move right beside her. And then she got up and she moved. And we did this all the way around the perimeter of the room. So I was like, hmm, I'm not reaching her. She doesn't want to talk to me. She doesn't want to play. So I just started pulling things out of my pockets and I pulled out some bubbles and I started blowing bubbles. And she was fascinated by the bubbles. And so she came over and she sat beside me. And then I got up and I moved to a different chair. <laughs> and then we did the same thing in reverse all the way around the room until I uh, we got back to where we started and then I gave her the bottle of bubbles and I let her blow the bubbles. And um, so, it, but it, it was a, a, quite like a, a half an hour, 45 minutes of trying to reach this girl and, and to get this girl to participate in some way. But that's what I felt for me. That's what my job was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The other ones were being taken care of. My job was to find the one that uh, wasn't being taken care of. Well, it's a wonderful story. And it makes me think that in psychology, we, we haven't been using clowns enough. <laughs> oh, yes. Difficult uh, people to reach. Been really fascinating and entertaining and informative, but we're running out of time. So I got to ask a couple of key okay. questions. First of all, uh, how's the clown business been during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic? <laughs> well, all of my clown friends, that pretty much their whole businesses were wiped out. I mean, there's, you know, nobody's inviting to uh, constant parties or there's no live shows or like I said, mine's a little different. Uh, I, I still go, uh, there's some nursing homes that, you know, I have a good relationship with. So, you know, I would put a mask on it, but I would put my nose over my mask. <laughs> so, so I would still go and I still do some of my things. And um, I just did a, Big live show uh, on Friday uh, at one um, one retirement resort. I did a, a half an hour stand up comedy show as a clown. So I think we're slowly getting back into it. But all of the clown conventions and all of that stuff, those have been online. Um, lots of Zoom calls. I've been doing a lot, a lot of Zoom calls. Um, so we're, we're we're still making ends meet that way. As far as we're we're getting on Zoom and um, we're meeting people that way, but it's not quite the same thing. Like I said, I still like that. Uh, one-on-one in-person kind of thing, but it's, yeah. it kind of hit it kind of hit clowns just as hard as it hit everybody else. I was going to say you're not totally unique in that regard, but uh, there certainly are some encouraging signs that the world may be returning to normal and the, the hopefully not too dis- distant. Yeah, slow, slowly getting there. <laughs> so uh, it should be easy for you to stay positive about it. Let's uh, let's <laughs> that it goes in the right direction. I'm sure that some of the listeners are really intrigued by what you do. Do you have, uh, you mentioned a book, do you, do you have any other products out there or what, what kinds of things can, can people uh, access about you or from you? Well, my big thing right now is I have a YouTube show on YouTube. Uh, 
is called Bullseye on Bullying, uh, but uh, I will be branching out and doing videos on other things as well. And um, I'm also working on a couple books. One is on bullying and then one is on being um, how to be happy every single day of your life. And so I will be putting some videos uh, not only on YouTube, but I also have a website at bullseyetheclown.com and you can go to and uh, watch videos or interact or book me off of there for you know an event or whatever. Then I also have, I have Twitter and I have YouTube, uh, Facebook and um, just type in Bullseye the Clown, you'll find me. <laughs> now on Facebook though, there is another Bullseye the Clown. He looks really, really scary. <laughs> so, I, so make sure you pick the one who looks cute, the sweet and innocent, that's me. <laughs> Couldn't trademark the name, jeez. Well, actually, what I found out is he didn't trademark the name. I did, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to. I'm not going to go back and uh, make him like change his name. But uh, <laughs> I, I was able to get the name trademarked. So, <laughs> okay, so people just have to have to just get the right bullseye. It's only on Facebook where there's the confusion. Yeah, I, th I think so. Yes. <laughs> Like I said, if you just go like onto YouTube and type in Bullseye the Clown, my, my face and my videos will pop up. And Okay, and we'll have all this contact information <laughs> in the show notes so that, uh, you know, if, if somebody's listening in the car and don't want to have them uh, do anything unsafe and start putting it in their phone or anything, it'll be in the show notes. And uh, with that, I have the, the always unpleasant duty of saying that our time is up. Oh, no. <laughs> I know we could go for quite a while longer. It was so both informative and enjoyable to learn about all the good that you're you're bringing into the world. And uh, also just to learn a little bit about a, a clown. I, you know, again, I just uh, I, I think when I was young, I thought about some things uh, like cowboy and clown as as careers and I never never really followed through to see how how you get to be one so I think I did the next best thing and that's interview <laughs> one so there, there you go <laughs> great so bullseye it is really really uh a pleasure speaking with you looking forward to learning more about you and seeing you and and all the good that you bring to the world thanks for for honoring us with with your visit but well, thank so, you for having me. Okay, so this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically every day of your life. And I don't know that there's anybody who can help you lead your life enthusiastically more than a very special clown. So we're really grateful to Bullseye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's my chicken, sorry. <laughs> Okay, we hadn't had a clown, hadn't had a chicken <laughs> on, my, on any of these podcasts. So it's, it's really good. Thank very much. Hope that listeners will, of course, listen, download, rate, review the episode, and tell your friends about it. And be back next week when we're going to have another really informative, fun guest. Don't know that we can offer quite the same kind of entertainment that, that we had this week, but this was really special. And all our episodes are special in some particular way. Again, please visit the website, mentalhealthgym.com. And please feel free to make any other recommendations for upcoming guests. 
If you haven't picked up my book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, hope you'll check it out on Amazon in one of its various formats, paperback, ebook, or audiobook. And everybody, we're still in the COVID-19 pandemic, so everybody stay safe, practice appropriate care, and be armed with some of the uh, more positive ways of looking at the world that we learned from Bullseye as well as the mental health gym. So take care. Until next time, this is Ron Kaiser signing off. Thanks again to Bullseye the Clown, and we'll see you all in the next episode.